Hi, I'm the white dude who's about to appropriate Othon Mier culture, Dalen. And I'm Moraine's confused accountant, Eric. And welcome to Loyal's Book Club, a podcast dedicated to the dissection and discussion of Robert Jordan's epic fantasy series, The Wheel of Time. That's right, The Wheel is back because Eric didn't make sexual jokes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm your first time reader. And I'm your grizzled warder. And today we will be discussing chapters 16 to 20 of The Shadow Rising. But before we get to that, I actually have a bit of housekeeping. So June is coming up. June is Pride Month. And Eric and I were going back and forth and we got the idea. We are going to be doing a Twitch viewing of rupaul's drag race season nine but we're going to be doing it as a fundraiser for the trevor project which is a charity that goes out to help lgbt youth uh we don't have secure dates on that yet but once we do we will notify you and we got another episode of that's one episode of loyal spoils and then we have a mystery loyal spoils that is to come yeah that'll be uh revealed at a later date once i uh batten down all of the specific hatches yeah i'm excited i'm excited eric always presents mystery and it's fascinating <laughs> to me it's uh you you think it's mystery I, i'm just i'm torn between two things i want to do and i bet you it'll be the night before announcement that i finally settle on one but i'm excited i got a couple of options Ooh, uh I'm, I'm excited yeah, i'm I, very curious and obviously as i'll be doing one over the other uh the other might be on the reserve for the next loyal spoils. yeah but yeah it'll be a good time yeah and so we got june is gonna be very fun i'm excited for both episodes of loyal spoils and we'll be getting further into uh the shadow rising but before all that let's just jump in so we got chapter 16, Leave Takings. I wanted to strangle Parent throughout this entire chapter. <laughs> yeah, I, I did too. And uh, you know what? It's totally, totally offset by the absolute capitalized W that Fayil gets in this chapter. Uh, I love what she does. Uh, does. I love how she uh, turns the tables. Oh, I, yeah. It's, it's great. But yes, I, I'm 100% with you there. It, Parent, grow up legit it's grow up and like fail is 18 parent is 20 and it's just why does loyal have to be the adult in this situation (laughs) loyal is only 90 leave him alone it is like a reverse relationship of divorced parents fighting over a kid it's like two (laughs) it is it's it's very much it's high school almost it's very immature Because, so, Perrin wakes up, he's been having nightmares about the white cloaks. Obviously, this is getting to him, you know, and he is 100% valid in those fears and those concerns. It's the constant pushing Fayil away when she has no real ill intentions. She just wants to help. And she goes to uh, Loyal to redeem the Ogier's Oath. So when Perrin gets there... Fayil just pops up from behind the flowers and is like, hmm, Loyal's a hero. He's very good at what he did last night. He saved a bunch of children. And she's like, I bet a bunch of women would want to marry you. And he's like, I don't want to get married. And we find (laughs) out Loyal essentially ran away from his steading because his mother has found him a bride. And he's like, I am not 
going back. <laughs> Loyal is trying to escape his own uh, marriage, which I get. It's very much, there's like a bit of that sort of parallel. Mm-hmm. No, not parallel. I think both Perrin and Loyal have this thing of we don't want to go home. Or no, Perrin wants to go home. Loyal does not want to go home. I think there's more parallel between him and Fayil, maybe? Sure. I think so. Uh, either way, I, I loved how Fayil just kind of pulled the rug out from under Perrin. I think I think Fayil is going to be the best thing that's uh, happened to Perrin in a while. Uh, I know I want him to grow up, and I think she is going to get him there. And on the same point, I think it does soften the uh, kind of the one-dimensional annoyance I had with Perrin. Like, it kind of was a one note over and over again. But yeah. more than anything, I think it set up this... Uh, revisiting now to the two rivers i think fail being there with perrin is going to turn everything upside down yeah uh, i was i was not, not expecting that oh no and the fact that she it's it i loved fail this whole chapter because it was so like she was just like um perrin's like loyal we're leaving and loyal's like yeah let's go <laughs> and fail's like you promised we were going do you remember? Do you mean to break that promise? And Loyal's just like, mm, well, I really guess I can't. <laughs> and so Perrin realizes Fayil's tricked him, essentially. And he is just like, you know what? Fine. You guys go to the two rivers via the ways. I'll walk. And Fayil's like, you realize that by the time we get there, we'll have taken care of the white cloaks. Just ask. That's all you have to do. Just ask me. Well, and Loyal even goes like, dude, just ask her. She'll be fine with it. She'll be chill with it. Just ask her. And Perrin goes, no, I'm not going to do it. And it's just like, dude, it's it's that two river stubbornness, which I get. I am the exact same way. Like, I like to go to theater and do a lot of things by myself because I like a plan. If the show starts at 8, I like to leave my house like at mm, 5.30, 5.45 so I can get to Hollywood, park, and then have dinner, have a glass of wine or something. And then get to the theater at like 7.30, 7.40 at the latest. Perrin is like, I have a plan. I'm going to the two rivers. Fayil is going away. I'm going to do this. Ball. And he can't accept that he, I don't think he can accept that he can have this responsibility shared. Right. I think, I don't know if he's been on it, if he's used to just kind of carrying things on his own. In the two rivers, he was a, an apprentice. We don't know if he, where his family is, if they're, I don't think they are in the main square, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if he's just kind of been on his own for a little bit while living with uh, the Luans. But there's a lot of just, I have to take care of this myself. And it's like, you don't have to. Fayil is literally going, I'm going to help you. No, I, I I need you to be safe. Okay, no. It's it's very frustrating. So, it's, uh, Perrin's point of view ends as, uh, he goes like, okay, Loyal, we're leaving by mid-morning, and Fayil's like, you're not leaving without me, you're not leaving, hello, you, like, Perrin is being petty and ignoring her, and, and, and he leaves the room, and he hears something heavy thump against the door, and Fayil threw a book, and so he's like, Loyal's not gonna be happy about that, <laughs> like, but no, again, it's poor Loyal, it's, 
your friends are fighting and you're just like having to sit there and just go, everyone having a good time? <laughs> everyone having fun? Yeah. Once, Once again, again, Loyal feels a little bit more pushed into the fray than yeah. willingly going. I know he wants to be, uh, you know, have an adventure and kind of have an experience outside of his setting, but it feels like this was just a little unfair to, yeah. to our friend. <laughs> and I love he talks about he's like, well... Um, I'm writing a book about my adventures with Rand and all of that, and he's calling it The Dragon Reborn. And I'm like, hey! <laughs> wink, wink. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I can't wink, so I'm just manually winking. <laughs> um, so Perrin leaves, and he's met up by Gaul, who goes, hey, uh, Rand talked to you, me, and he wanted me to go with you. And he says, if you'll have me, I'm like, what kind of pride and prejudice? Like, <laughs> if you will have me, my dear parent, I shall go with you. I'm like, yeah, to friends <laughs> like that, buddy. But yeah. parent, we get a we get a lot of content set up. I feel like like we're gonna get a lot more Fael. We're gonna get a lot more Gaul. We oh, get a yeah. little bit more loyal in a you know a more uh, uh, small group. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm excited. And I think these people, you know, they've never been together. Uh, for sure. Gaul hasn't had a ton of airtime to me at least. Yeah. Uh, so I'm excited to see all these people kind of shine and, uh, see what they get up to. I, I don't have good feeling about it though. It's a interesting group dynamic. You have mm. the Ogier, the pissed off Saldean, uh, the six foot nine hunky Aeolman, the broody passive aggressive, uh, uh, blacksmith, and then later Bane and Shiad. But it's a w- interesting group that you're like, huh? Okay, I yeah no, it is a very in the dynamic is now shifting because Loyal and Fail have a certain knowledge of the world because they've seen more of it than Perrin. Loyal is a bit more well read. Bane, Shiad, and Gaul are Aiel, so they bring something else. So it's. You're right. I'm very curious as to how this is turn- going to turn out. I don't also don't have a good feeling about them returning to the two rivers. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's not going to be good. Like I said, this this book, I, I've I've got uh, I have I have high hopes for dark things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we go from one uh, problematic couple to another problematic couple, <laughs> like. It's not, it's well known. Robert Jordan does not write romance all that well. He doesn't, I don't know. It's, the couplings are a little, because eh. we catch up with the Wonder Girls. Egwene is uh, packing for the waste. Nynaeve and Elaine are packing up for Tanchico. And Elaine is pissed off at Rand, essentially, for being relieved that she is leaving. And she's tr- I think she's trying to be a little like, well, at least he wants me safe. But what the fuck, dude? Like, <laughs> it's like, again, summer romance. Yeah, a lot of complex emotions. Yeah, because it's like, on the one hand, I get why she'd be like, we spent three days, which in... A 16-year-old's head is like... It's like three years, man. Yeah, I know. Might as well have bought the wedding dress. <laughs> but I think I get it. It's... You have this these feelings for a person, and you don't know specifically why, and you know it's ridiculous, and you know the risk of what's coming, but you can't deny it. 
but it's also like you're on borrowed time essentially like how do you process that like where do you go will you see him again like the 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 letter bit uh broke my heart just a just a little tiny bit (laughs) because she wrote rand a letter and then she considered him a little bit later in the chapter writing another letter because um they're going over what to bring their itinerary and all that and then lan bursts through the door and lan is pissed (laughs) at nynaeve like furious like to the point where elaine is like starting to like channel because lan finds out that they are going to tanchico and not to the tower as he was led to believe and nynaeve is just like yeah sorry bud gotta go and it's this and lan's like you don't know what it's like in terabon and tanchico it's so dangerous people will kill you and uh, nynaeve's like work (laughs) anyway yeah, I uh, I think I agree with you a little bit. I think the romance is lacking a little bit in this yeah. series a little bit. I do think it's a great placeholder for the imagination. I think there's definitely some a bit of coloring in that, you know, ourselves as the reader can do to kind of fill out a little bit of this. Yeah. I did like this bit quite a lot as as far as like a uh, what we're doing and kind of the bonds and stuff like yeah. the warder bonds that he can't fight against. Exactly. Is just... Mm, and I think, kiss. well, Lan and Nynaeve work a little bit more because I feel like there's a little bit more nuance to them. Mm-hmm. Because a little bit later after Lan leaves, Nynaeve talks about, I do not want Lan to have this constant obligation to Moraine. Right. That he has to, he's bonded to her. There's nothing I can really do about that. There's nothing, I don't want that burden of, oh, I broke this warder bond to be with him, you know? And I think she knows that, has internalized that, and is like, the most important thing for me right now is to go to Tanshiga with the Black Aja. Yeah. And I think Lan is also conflicted, too, because I think he genuinely cares for Nynaeve, but he's known Moraine for over 20 years. He's only known Nynaeve for a year. So it is this, he is sworn to Moraine, but he also has this duty to the Borderlands, yeah, so, I, I think the personal bonds versus the duties that we're called to uh, is a great theme that we're kind of exploring a bit more than we have before. Yeah. Really, the uh, the party is, you know, we are falling a little bit into the group at large has to break up into smaller groups and go out. But the way that they're breaking and kind of using this as a checkpoint, this is, uh, you know, probably been the first time that Land and Nynaeve have had some time together and been able to hang out and see each other. Yeah, probably since Valdara, probably. Yeah. So twisting that knife just a little bit of, you know, having to go somewhere you don't want to go because the person you love is going somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, and I hate it because, oh, yeah. again, emotionally, I feel like I'm being set up for uh, some tragedy down the line. <laughs> Oof, yeah. So, yeah, but... But that being said, uh, yeah, Lan and Nynaeve, I think, are kind of a natural pairing. As At the very least, they're very interesting. Yeah. I think Elaine and Rand, at the very least, is, is kind of a shallow one-dimensional. Like, we, we've called it a, a summer camp it's love. Very ex- summer camp. It's exactly. very that. But, but Nynaeve and Lan, there, there's, a sense, uh, there's a sense of, like, on the same team. And yeah. kind of alike and different in a very, in a very uh, uh, unexplainable way. I, they they got good chemistry. I I'm as far as our our couplings go, they're they're probably my number one right now. Oh yeah, and I think what I think it's a thing of they both see the 
complication. Yeah. That it is not going to be this easy as no. it is for Elaine and Rand or Perrin and Fael, how they were just able to do that. And that's fine. There's something deeper at work here because I don't think Nynaeve would drop her mission to stop the Black Aja plus helping Rand to be with Land. That's exactly. not what she initially set out to do. Yeah. Land is the cherry on top of the Sunday that would be being able to help Rand. Yeah. Like, Egwene is going to the Waste a lot for her, but because she wants to make sure that she can make can also again stop the black aja can right. like she does not want to see rand get hurt you right. know uh and so they all agree they're going to be meeting in teleran riad at the stone of tear and uh so that's how that pov ends and we switch on over to nothing because that is the end of chapter 16. <laughs> My bad. And so we go to chapter 17, Deceptions. I loved this chapter so much. Because we get a mix of cool political intrigue. And it ends on a really fucking horrifying note. Um, so we begin with Tom, who is... so. 16 and 17, it, this is all hours. This is like the early hours of the dawn. So Tom is exhausted. He's juggling. He's planting more seeds uh, to get the Tyrion no, nobility on the... Uh, again. Um, so he's going around. He's trying to get more people against the Tyrion nobles and on Rand's side. So he's speaking to these servants, and he's like, kind of cool what Rand did. I wonder which High Lord was in charge of the barges and all that. And they're like, oh, well, we don't know that. And again, he kind of does like the good thing. Rand was here and he's juggling. And he's like, yeah. And they're like, yeah, he saved our lives. We're so grateful. And he's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. No, we, this is a really cool glimpse. Uh, the chapter at large, and even specifically, it feels like we kind of get the behind-the-scenes look at the adults in the room. Like, we spend so much time with our, our newer people that are just discovering their stuff. And I love this gear shift that we check in with somebody who knows what they're doing and has honed and really trained their skills and dangers. I love that Tom as a spy hides in plain sight. You oh, know, yeah. he's entertaining, he's playing. I will, this brings a whole new dimension of uh, the, the Gleeman's cover. He's like, it was, it was like we talked about a couple episodes ago. He can hide. Cause it's like, what's a Gleeman going to do? Exactly. And I think that's very smart of him. Mm-hmm. And it's, we don't know a lot about Tom, like, on the whole. Like, we don't know if he was, if he planned to be a Gleeman initially. Right. I don't know. And we don't even know, like, where he, we know he's Andorran. He had to have either, I feel like he grew up, he was one of those dudes that was, like, street-born. Like, a probably poor, grew up, and was able to kind of finesse his way into the larger social circles and then he ended up in Camelin and with Morghese. I could see that. And then having to go into hiding and taking up yeah. the Gleeman Which is, trade. I have a theory that I want to talk about with you that comes up in this chapter. Because mm-hmm. Tom is, he makes his way to his room and he sees Moraine straighten because she was like looking at his papers. Right. This was like my favorite thing. So Moraine straightens up and she's like, hmm. 
hey Tom. And he's like, hi Maureen. And she goes like, fancy seeing you here. Um, heard some interesting things that are happening. And he's like, oh, do tell. She's like, well, High Lord Carleon was killed in a hunting accident by uh, High Lord Teodosin. Do you know anything about that? And Tom's like, me? I'm just a widow gleeman. What do I know about that? And then Teodosin, and she's like, and then when Teodosin came back, he fell ill after his wife gave him a cup of wine. And Tom's like, hmm, interesting. So we get to see that thread that Tom set up in chapter four, I believe. It's slowly weaved through and we find out that they've been plotting to kill Rand. So Tom's deadly. Tom is very like, he's good. He's good at what he does. Oh, yeah. Now, uh, seeing the two of these extremely powerful players on the board interact is great because uh, up until this point, it was definitely kind of a bit of a mystic, you know, you know Tom had some street cred, but to really see all the stuff pay off and to see him playing the long con like this just gives it a whole new depth of, oh shit, <laughs> I'm happy they're on the same team. And yet it's tense the whole time. Yeah. It's a very... Moraine and Tom are both very good at the game of houses. Um, and our Lord and Savior Zul has added, Tom was the house bard for House Tracand and helped Morghese in her claim to the, thr the throne. Which it's like, what came first, the bard or the spy? You know, <laughs> I think that's yeah. one of my big questions of, or was it all at the same time? So um, the reason why I stopped and went to get my book is because there is a bit of a, it's a bit of a read, but it's one of my favorite moments. Um, so Tom says, um, I pay little attention to such things. The works of mighty, the mighty are not for a simple gleeman. Her smile was just short of laughter, but she spoke as if reading from a page. Tom drew Marilyn, called the gray fox once by some who knew him or knew of him, Court bard at the royal palace of Andor and Camelin, Morghese's lover for a time after Tarangale died. Fortunate for Morghese, uh, Tarangale's death, I do not suppose she ever learned he meant her to die and himself to be Andor's first king, but we were speaking of Tom Marilyn, a man who, it was said, could play the game of houses in his sleep. It is a shame that such a man calls himself a simple gleeman, but such arrogance to keep the same name. Did Tom kill Tarangale? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. I think he... I think Tom knew some shit was going down. And he... I feel like he did hunting accident. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's just the same thing. And I don't think Morghese ever... I think Morghese bought into it. Because again, I think Tom very much knows how to play the tragic, isn't it? <laughs> I'm just the house bard. Um... So then it continues, and Tom turns the tables on Moraine. Tom masked his shock with an effort. How much did she know? Too much if she knew not another word. But she was not the only one with knowledge. Speaking of names, he said lovely, it is remarkable how much can be puzzled out from a name. Moraine Damodred, the Lady Moraine of House Damodred in Kyrian, Terengale's youngest half-sister, King Lamon's niece, and Aes Sedai, let us not forget. And Aes Sedai aiding the dragon reborn since before she could have known that he was more than just another poor fool who could channel. 
An Aes Sedai with connections high in the White Tower, I would say. Uh, else she'd not risk what she has. Someone in the Hall of Tower? More than one, I'd say. Uh, it would have to be. News of that would shake the world. But why should there be trouble? Perhaps it's best to leave an old gleeman tucked away in his hole in the servants' quarters. Just an old gleeman playing his harp and telling his tales. Tales that harm no one. So, um, it's the first time we get Moraine's last name, Damodred. Yeah. And so, we've heard the name Damodred before. Um, there is one connection that I just kind of like, oh, Galad Damodred. So that's right, because he's a half brother, right? He is half related to uh, Elaine. He is the child of Morgase and Terengale. I think that's yeah. think that's right. No, uh, no. It's like T I. Oh no no no! It's uh. So yeah, so Galad Galad is the child of Terengale and Tigraine, who. We've heard about in passing a couple of times. We know that she bounced from Camelin. We don't know where she went. And her brother also went missing. So Right. It also explains a little bit about, uh, I think we, we might have passed it. And I, I, I made a, uh, I meant to, to, to pounce on it a little bit. But Moraine gives the girls a bit of money to send them on their way. Yeah. Uh, I believe it. I think, I'm wondering personally, I, I don't have a, a guess, but... I'm wondering if she's got a bit of royalty fortune tucked away or if she's getting those funds somehow else from an outside resource. Yeah. Uh, I'd be very interested if, if that was explored a little bit more. I, I don't think because Moraine explicitly says I've cut ties with the damager name. Right. Because there's already some not good associations, but her uncle uh, King Lamont is uh, responsible for the IU War. He uh, cut down, uh, I am so sorry for mispronouncing this, Avendoral Dara. Uh, Thank you so much for falling on that grenade for me. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, there was another uh, Damodred that we've met, Barthane's Damodred. Oh, right. From the Great Hunt. He was the That's guy right. they went to his house. For the party for the hunt for the Horn of Valir in Kyrian. So either way, it's a really interesting We've got some stuff popping up. Some connections are being made yeah, here. I think but I think the fact that we now have something about Moraine. We know a little bit more. And we're able to go, so she and Tom both have ties to Camelin, in a sense. Yeah, no, I love this game of cat and mouse being played by two cats. Oh yeah. Two very well-trained house cats. It's, 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 I, I don't know which one I would put my money on if they were in a full-to-the-wheels type of battle. <laughs> there was a thing I always was curious. Like, this would be an episode I would love to do. What if Rand, Perrin, Matt, Egwene, Elaine, Nynaeve, Tom, and Moraine were the Forsaken, and we flipped it? Whoa. And... Ishmael, uh, I almost—I mean, it's—I almost said Grendel, but the, you don't know Grendel. Ishmael, Landfear, Samael, Bilal, Aginor, Balthanel were the good guys. So it'd be very curious because I feel like Moraine and Tom, if they were forsaken, would be very much weaving the webs 
and plotting falls. You're creating a lot of infighting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think Loyal would be the scariest uh, Forsaken because he'd be hasty. <laughs> Loyal would be rushing places, and that's his big evil thing. Like, he, like, mo- excuse me, I got to. I gotta get here. Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. That's loyal as a Forsaken. It's definitely some uh, headcanon AU we're gonna write and hide behind a Patreon wall. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, back to the topic at hand, but you it's two house cats circling a bowl of milk that they both know how to get to. Right. Um, so the conversation continues and Moraine goes... So you're going to go to Tanchico with Elaine and Nynaeve. And Tom's like, why would I do that? And Maureen goes, oh. And she, he's like, so Tom's like, I haven't seen, I haven't been near Camelin or anyone for 15 years. And Maureen sticks the dagger in because she goes, she hesitated. But when she spoke, her voice was unrelentingly firm. And your reason for leaving Andor? A nephew named Owen, I believe. One of those poor fools you spoke of who can channel. The Red Sisters were supposed to bring him to tar as any such man is, but instead they gentled him on the spot and abandoned him to the mercies of his neighbors. So that horrifies Tom. And we mentioned, we got mention of Owen in The Eye of the World. He And I think it's really why Tom sticks with Rand. Because yeah. I think Tom is a little more weary wary of that and it's one of his deepest regrets that he was it he was hooking up with Margais while this was happening to his nephew and i think it's something he would never want to happen with rand right and we also discover that because we when we switch to min's pov gentling on the spot is illegal like they're supposed to bring a man who could channel to the tower to be gentled like officially so tom this really hurts Tom. And he goes like, why are you, why? What am I supposed to get out of this? And Maureen goes, you will come back out of Tanchico alive. Like there's no like game to it. She directly tells him, you're going to come back. And when we meet again, um, if you go with Elaine and Nynaeve, I will tell you the name of those red sisters when I see you next, as well as the name of the one who gave them their orders. They did not act on their own, and I will see you again. You will survive Terabon. So it makes me wonder, what did Moraine get through the door that she is now going through Tom? Because she has to know that Tom is very much good in, like the game of houses. Do you think she suspects, do you think she knows he killed Tarangale? Uh, whether she knows or not, I think is irrelevant to Moraine's plan. I think what she got out of the door, you know, she always plays a couple of steps ahead. Yeah. Uh, you know, she's playing chess, like easily three, four five moves ahead. Whatever she got out of the door has given her a deeper understanding of the plan that needs to happen. Yeah. So I think, I think she knows some deeper things about Tom that she didn't know before. Yeah. Uh, before the door, yes, I think she knew that about him. Uh, I think she knows a lot about Tom. I think Tom knows a lot about her. I oh, think yeah. I think their stations just kind of lend themselves to that. Yeah, and you, uh, yeah, you wouldn't be in those circles if you, if especially the infamy that lives with the Damadra name, mm-hmm. you would know. You know, and unless we revisit Tom's POV and get you know, a solid answer. I think if someone is accused of something happening, it's happened. Yeah. 
I, I, I am fully on board with it. Uh, and yeah, I think Moraine knows what needs to happen yeah. in order for some other things to happen. Uh, and I do think there is a, a point to Tom that he, he trusts that a little bit. I think it's like, a, I think it's the knowledge that he will get justice for Owen that he goes, okay, mm-hmm. I have no, because Moraine has, she, Moraine knows what Tom wants. And yeah. that is to get the sisters. And she even no, I think I'm going to go back. I think she knows his ability to be an assassin and deadly because she even says to him, um, a skilled and dangerous player of the game of houses might find a use for them. Uh, the name of the sisters, they should not have done what they did. They should not have been excused for it. And Maureen even says, I will teach you that not all Aes Sedai are like those reds, Tom. You must learn that. It's because I don't know if we've ever heard Maureen go against the reds as directly as she has. Or against Aes Sedai or White Tower custom or anything like yeah. that. This is a, a bit off the beaten path and kind of roguish. Uh, we're, we're diving in past the rules as they've been written. And we're, we're seeing the in between the lines that these people are living in. And there's a lot. Like, because my biggest question is what they know, what Moraine knows. Because mm-hmm. she had to have, do you, th- I'm wondering if Moraine got knowledge of what's happening at the White Tower. Like, maybe she asked them about the White Tower. I think there's a lot of connections the White Tower has. And I think depending on who you are and how personally close you are to them, you get a lot of information. Uh, so I think at the very least, Tom, I don't think, has always been on her radar. But I think when he did, I think she did a lot of digging and just kind of knew where to look. I think the Aes Sedai have many resources that, you know, the laymen in this world simply don't. Oh, yeah. So I think when he showed up, I I think there's... And like she said, you know, uh, uh, the arrogance of keeping his name the same. Yeah. It it did keep a paper trail, and it it does lend itself to Tom being really good at this and really liking this. And it makes me wonder... What brought, like, do you think she knew, do you think she was going to use Tom and she was just biding her time when they met in the two rivers? Ooh. Because there had to have been a reason she said, you can come Gleeman. There has to be. There's something. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know if Moraine is that calculating. Because, again, I don't think she know. I don't think she could have predicted that what has happened has happened. I don't know how much cuz she doesn't have foretelling. She only knows the base knowledge of uh the prophecies and um so I don't know I think she's kind of like I think she might have been a couple steps ahead as she needed to be. I think she was steps ahead, but I think it might have been a, a bit of a bigger wheel thing of keeping the gleeman with the Taverin. Yeah. And I think even if she didn't know it at the time, there was something very fitting of keeping him along and stuff. And I do think somewhere down the line she did her own bit of research and stuff. Yeah. But I think maybe he he kind of got roped in because he's such a big player and you know these people of note tend to stick and go together. Yeah. Uh so I could totally see something a little bit bigger keeping them together until it was time for her to kind of do the digging and then decide how to employ him and uh, so forth. Because again, it's like if I were Moraine and the same village where there's three Taviran, Tom Marilyn is there. 
And I think it's been 15 years, uh, and Moraine has been away from the, t- the Tower, and I believe Kyrian has to be for 23 years. Yeah. Because the Aeol War at that point in where we are was 24 years ago. Uh, at the end of the Aeol War is when Tam found Rand on the slopes of Drag Mountain. Twenty years later, here we are. Mm-hmm. There has she had to have been. Oh, Eric's back pocket. That you know, there had to. But she, she's like, this is no coincidence. Let me hold back on this. But. Um, and an interesting thing about the Reds, it's been noted before, and uh, Epiphany, Epiphany in the chat just pointed out, the Blues are, uh, the Reds are Swan's political enemies. So there's also a little bit of, there's a little bit of bias there. There's an agenda. Apple. There is an agenda. <laughs> there's always an agenda. Because Moraine says, uh, doesn't go, I want you to try to understand the Reds better. I want you to try to understand Aes Sedai better. There is a plan at work. And so do you think we're going to get to see Tom's revenge in fruition in the series? Yep. And you know what? I'm going to take a, a big swing here. I've got, I've got one more big swing prediction that's going to pop up a little bit later. Uh, but this one, I think Tom is going to dismantle the entire White Tower. Tom? Yeah, I think, I think he's going to go after the Reds. I think okay. it's not going to be enough. And I think somehow he is going to, like a house of cards absolutely destroyed the white tower as we know it uh yes zool also pointed something out men could have said we i completely discounted men Zul said i think moraine got information from men about tom otherwise how would she know that tom how could she be so certain that he would right. survive and she would see again and you know moraine while she might not specifically understand the greater forces she does trust them she does listen to when they come ringing along. And so, yeah, when you get a viewing from a, a fortune teller, she would definitely be the one to believe it, you know, note that it's some big stuff going on and, and keep him along for sure. And speaking of men, yes. we're going to hop in with her because yes. right now she is in the White Tower as Almondretta and she is vibing badly embroidering and Gowan and Galad come along. Oh man, there uh there's a bit of tick away from this one that that made me go, "Oh, duh." What? The the one that basically says he's going to join the white cloaks. Galad? Yeah, I you know, the way because he's like the do-gooder, right? The righteous brother yeah, and everything. Yeah, he's very much the I see the world in black and white. I I swear to God, if if I have to read another book with brother names that have the same letter i'm going to lose it uh <laughs> but yeah so uh galad is 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 talking about joining the white yeah. cloaks, and it was such a like slap in the face for me in the best way of like of co- a fucking course this little punk ass is going to join the white cloaks do you remember last week we were talking about Egwene's dream and she had the dream about galad cr- uh shrouding himself in a cloak of white and I was like, what do you think that means? Do you think it's the White Cloaks? And you went, no. And I said, Quite literally, I was like, no, it's got to be metaphorical. And it in could the not episode, I literally go, he cloaks himself in white. Uh, I, Cloak I think, white. I think it was just the confirmation of him saying he was, because it's, it's all about like the implication and how it's going to unfold. Yeah. 
I figured he was either going to get roped in by them or have some type of involvement. But again, this punk ass volunteers himself oh, and is yeah. talking about the ideology and, you know. Yeah, when you read, like, because she reads out the book and I'm like, oh, this sounds just, like some 4 To give myself credit, I just figured that getting cloaked in white was something much more esoteric and much more down the line. Yeah. I didn't think we were going to revisit it in like two chapters that's fair that's fair. <laughs> uh but it's great it's great it totally makes sense and i love that because of the connections he has both you know familial and at large i think this is gonna throw a wrench in some plans and yeah people are concerned for him they don't want him joining it oh and... yeah galad is Ooh. no gowan is like i'm gonna join yeah him. like and when Min reads that book it is the most reddit like 4chan like <laughs> deny yourself pleasure and i'm like Ugh. it is it is so crazy sometimes how literature in, in any kind of way will kind of highlight what's going on of the times and i i just kind of think you know they're definitely different they definitely deserve different types of respect when you're talking about it but this is like finding out your brother has been into like some alt right shit yeah you know again like on the messaging boards or writing some like white supremacist shit and it's just like oh f oh no because like oh no galad feels like that kind of person who would be like i think he's like the white cloaks are interesting because of this method of doing good. I and it's like you Ugh. can't you can't ignore what they're doing, my yeah. guy. You can't ignore that. <laughs> I but think I do like it. it. I I like it a lot because we do personally know him. I think we're gonna get a much more personal inside look at the white cloaks, like yeah. uh, because for a while they're just an outside force that we get to see through you know perspectives of people that we aren't necessarily close to. Yeah injecting this bit of personal into it is great for our characters it's great for the arc we're gonna see it's gonna be great for the world building i oh, yeah. i love it and hate it at the same time yeah and again i'm just i am shocked that a prediction or a dream you know came that obviously and that fast so i think i'm gonna be looking at those with a touch less of uh metaphorical interpretation <laughs> that might be smart that might be smart uh but yeah um that happens and i think we're we're coming up if we skip it i'll i'll bring it up but i think you're gonna hit it in a little bit i've got one big prediction coming down the okay line. um so it's it's funny because gawain knows elmandretta is min Galad does not he it whoosh like he's literally like my lady have we met and she's just like no like so they event Gowan and well Gowan keeps asking Min questions like are Gwen and Elaine safe and she's just like who you fool ass <laughs> like, please she's literally like Elaine the uh, the daughter, uh, the daughter heir. How would I know where she is? And in her head, she's going, "You fucking moron! You absolute <laughs> buffoon!" And you know, I don't think it's entirely Gowan's fault—not entirely, but he is a little thick. He is a little, a little slow, slow to, ca to slow catch on. The on. Yeah, yeah, I think I, like I feel like Matt would dial into this and be like, "Okay, we're playing a game. Okay, I don't know you. That's cool." But Gowan's just like, "Yeah, but you, but hold on, you, you told I totally know who you are." Yeah, <laughs> and it's just like, "Oh my god." Just take your shirt off, Gowan, and just pose. <laughs> like, that's all we need from you. Like, Gowan, you're really pretty. You're, like, Gowan and Galad are so pretty. No thoughts, head empty. And I think that's, I think they should be seen and not heard. Yes. <laughs> um, 
So again, we Gowan gets men alone and he's like, you know, if, if you can ask about my sister and Egwene, and it's kind of like, dude, it's not going to happen. Like it's, it's, it's just the thing of like, I get it. It's not going to happen. Like they, you are not involved in this. It's crazy because, you know, he's been, he's out here training with the warders and yeah. stuff, right? Him and, uh, he and Galad. And uh, it's kind of crazy because everyone kind of has a sense of purpose and duty and kind of understanding what they have to do. This is kind of the first person who, you know, wants to be a part of it, wants to go on, but isn't quite ready yet, isn't involved. He's kind of left behind. And it's uh, it's interesting seeing a character with this little development at the moment. Yeah. Compared to our entire, you know, cast at large. I think he's lost. And I think I don't know. And I think he's alone. Yeah, I think there's a lot of interpretation you have to do because you don't get a lot of his inside thoughts. But oh, yeah. he got shipped away from home. He's basically at military camp. Yeah. His his half-brother is yeah. that correct in saying? And they're cool with each other. They're but cool, but this like... is like creating a whole new dynamic and rift. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I could totally see him kind of wanting a bit of familiarity yeah, and I think that's why he's asking so intently on his sister, and and you know he's not at ease. He's a little bit nervous and stuff. And I think it, again, it's that duty. He says to Min, "I am the first prince of the sword. I have been first prince of the sword since I was able to be tall enough to look over her cradle." And there is this thing of I have a sworn duty. I but you can't get he can't get, he can't understand the fact that this isn't the case right now. Right. So. Min sees Loghain, who is the false dragon from uh, Gaeldon. He has a halo around him, and she says, I see glory in his future. But he's been gentled. How can that happen? So she goes up to Swan, and Swan and Leanne are studying these notes that they got. And, you know, she's like, all of this is happening uh, there's war, there's this, and we find out Mazram Taim has killed his captors. And so that's scary. Right. Uh, just, just another problem in the, the, uh, mixed nut bowl of problems we have currently going on. Yeah. Do you think Mazram Taim would probably end up in tier? That'd be interesting. I think, at, I, you know, the when we're talking about the wheel and the forces at large, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody like that would be drawn to the Taveran in yeah. some kind of way. Very possibly. Or, you know, he's probably on his way setting in motion some other things that are going to fall down the line. Yeah. Uh, but either either or, I think. Because yeah. that's... That's definitely a big problem, and that is a that's a big dog off the leash. <laughs> we also hear something about someone named the Prophet who is starting trouble, claiming that uh, the Dragon Reborn is a Shinaran Lord. Right. Which is interesting. Yeah. Uh, so Min comes in and tells them what happened with Loghain, and she essentially goes, look, can't we just tell Gowan and Galad what's going on? And Swan goes, No. Everyone else believes they're out of farm. If we tell them they're elsewhere, it's going to be in trouble for us. Because Swan has her own agenda. Right. And um, so Swan gets a plan to get a bunch of Aes Sedai and their warders and gentle uh, Mazram Taim on the spot. Which Min goes, you can't do that. And Swan goes, well, I will. Um, 
So we finally, she gets a letter finally from Moraine. And it was something I was like, wait, didn't Moraine send like four pigeons? And she and only one came. And we get word. She finally, we finally hear that uh, we finally get caught up to Rand has taken the sword and the Stone of Tear. And Swan calls for the Hall of the Tower to me. And she's like, we're going to tell them that the dragon is reborn, blah, blah, blah. And um, she says, there will be some pushback, but I'm not going to tell them I've known for longer than I've let on. And that's where we kind of leave the uh, that POV. But do you have your prediction? What is your big prediction? I do. So uh, we see Loghain with that halo and lots of glory and stuff. So obviously that could mean he, he achieves that in some other way. But a little idea crawled in my head that I have, you know, this is a half-court shot prediction. Okay. It could be a totally just a, a headcanon AU separate story point, or it could be something that happens. I think that Rand is going to ungentle the men that could channel before. Ooh, like I, Rand will discover how to... Yeah, like okay. through, you know, his natural innate power or something. I think we're going to get all of the false dragons waking up again so to speak and in some kind of way whether he's going to you know side with them you know make them a part of his army or maybe he's gonna have to contend with them or something i just think there's gonna be some ungentling going on we're getting a bit of information about gentling kind of the process of it and stuff because we know women can't do it right. but we know nothing about what men can do exactly so. All right, all right. So that's a that's a big swing prediction I've I've gotten from this uh, bunch of chapters. Okay. So chapter seventeen ends. Uh, Sara, who is the girl from chapter one, who showed Min to the Almerlin's, uh chambers, she's been sent away on a farm to do penance. So she's vibing. She's kind of like, I hate it here. And she fantasizes. Galad comes and she heals him after he falls off his horse. And uh, they, she bonds him as his boarder. And an Aes Sedai comes and says, So you were talking to Min and Gowan. What did you talk about? Did, what did you overhear? And Sara gets tortured, essentially. And she falls on the floor and she realizes she can't see the farm woman's, like who she's staying with. She can't see her hanging, like the laundry still hanging up. She's like, that shouldn't be possible. And that's really her last thought because this Aes Sedai, kill, this black sister, assumedly kills her and killed everyone else. Do you have a theory as to who did it? Absolutely none. none? It's, it's, it's so well done in the way of like, we've got a ton of tentacles in the dark starting to reach out. Uh, I, I honestly had nothing on this one. It's, it's one of the ones that I'm waiting to unfold a little bit more. Okay. I know that doesn't make for great podcasting. No, I know. Do it, but th- it was such an organic, well done moment of like, <gasps> yeah, it was. It's it's a rough moment. Yeah, but uh, it has to be someone. My biggest bet is it's either Elida or Alviarin. If I had to take a bet, I'd guess Elida because she, when we got her POV, she wanted to. She was trying to listen outside of Swan's door. Yeah. And she specifically spoke to Sara, and she would probably know Miss Thang got sent away. Yeah. And she already has some grudge against right. Moraine and Swan. So I think Swan killed Sara. Swan. I think Elida killed I was killed like, Sara. whoa, hold on, heel turn. <laughs> no, I think it was I think it was Elida. I, I I can I can jive with that pretty easy. 
Uh, so that's where we end 17, and we get to chapter 18, which is a fairly uh, short chapter, uh, Into the Ways. Yeah. It's, into the Ways. It's literally just like, they went into the ways. Legit. <laughs> uh, so Perrin and Gaul, Perrin's finishing packing up, and they start heading down to the stables, and again, I roll, Perrin goes, Gaul, if anything happens to Fayil, I want you to promise me that you will take care of her. And Gaul's like, yas. <laughs> and I'm like, girl, what's if Fayil can't take down the white cloaks by herself? Gaul passes Perrin a note. Perrin opens up the note, and do you know what it says? What? Grow up. Legit. <laughs> or like Gaul in his six foot nine self squats down to look at Perrin and goes, boop, grow up. <laughs> But yeah, they, they head into the ways. I think Perrin, because of the Ogier promise, he's like hanging back a little bit. Yeah. Because technically he's supposed to bring Fael to the destination first before anybody else. Yeah. And I've got a soft prediction here that that's going to be bad because they're going to technically get to the two rivers a little bit before Perrin and Gaul. Uh, no, they're all going at the same they're time. All going... uh, Perrin is essentially following them. Okay. Is that still because of the promise, though? Because they're not doing it as a group group. I yeah, thought. it's kind of a thing of Perrin. So uh, they got to the stables, and Bane and Shiad are down there. And they're joining Fayil just because they know that Perrin and Fayil are fighting, and they kind of love the drama. And we also find out uh, Shiad is uh, Goshine, who is uh, it's a clan that has a blood feud with uh, Gauls, but they have a water pact which is i guess a peace pact gotcha and, a ceasefire yeah like you cool you cool for right now for now um there was a moment hold on there was a moment when i read it this morning and i went what the fuck dude so hold on i need to i need to read this because this was ridiculous this was ridiculous i don't even know why it happened i don't know what he wanted to do so they get to this the stable and it's like um Loyal's like, hey, we need to go. And Perrin's like, work. And then it's literally, Gaul leaps straight up suddenly, kicking higher two paces or more above the floor while twirling one of his spears. We will follow like stalking ridge cats, he shouted. Like hunting wolves, he landed easily, lightly. Loyal stared at him in amazement. Bane, on the other hand, lazily combed her short, fiery hair with her fingers. And it was just like... I'm so happy you, you chose this moment. Uh, I had totally forgotten it, but when I read it, I had to read it again just to make sure I was getting the image I thought I was. And from now on, whenever somebody asks me if I'm, like, ready to go somewhere, if I'm ready to leave someplace, you know I'm going to be busting out that move every time. We will stalk like ridge cats. It's one of the most, like, wait, 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 wait. Hold, pause. I thought that would have been, like, Hold on, hold on. Wait, we're not leaving it. We're not leaving it. Everyone, also, shut the Amazon, if you don't, if you don't fucking give me this moment in your show, I that is the point at which I'll stop watching. Yeah. Assuming I, I haven't stopped watching earlier, I'm optimistic. I'm optimistic. I'm very it. optimistic about the show. But please include this moment because it is just such a. He wanted to show off for Perrin. And you know what? It. He saw that six foot four blacksmith and went, "Top me, top me." <laughs> But yes, uh, an amazing moment in an, in an otherwise kind of boring chapter, in my opinion. Yeah, it's really the most interesting thing that happens is uh, yeah. the there's a ringing from the Stone of Tear and there's an earthquake. and That's right. 
Perrin and co escape uh, the Taviran influence. And they're like, should we wait for the Aiel? And Perrin just sees them like sprinting. Do you know that Nicki Minaj, the Roman holiday meme, the this right here, my big bitch cross? I just want that playing as it just shows the Aiel running. It's like, this right here, my big bitch cross. It's crazy how everything changed in an instant. And I love, I think it's in the next chapter. We get to see that moment again through the lens of other people. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they, they get out and they're in the ways and Gaul is just so fucking extra. I He's such it. a himbo. I, you know what? So far, so far I'm impressed. Color me a Gaul fan so far. But okay. There's another great Gaul moment because God bless him. It's just like a, wait, what? What's happening? Again, he, Gaul is crushing hard on Perrin. And I think he's just like, <laughs> so um, the parents explaining the geography of the ways. And it's like, uh, it's like a bridge and um, parent goes, okay, I know how to get navigate someone through the ways. We're going ahead of them. They're following us essentially. And um, the Ayuman scratched his head. Do you know what you are doing parent? No parent admitted, but there's no reason for Fayil to know that Gaul laughed. It is so. It is fun to be young, is it not, Perrin? What? I'm going to say that anytime I'm at a friend's birthday who's turning older than me. Is it not <laughs> fun to be young? Why does Gaul talk like a 18th century like like governess? He's like ah, another fresh day out. I love is it, it, it fun feels... to be young in the springtime of life? It feels so. F- fish out of water but i i love it so much i'm i'm pretty much instantly uh uh smitten with this fellow i i'm ready for more gall that six foot nine beautiful man like again it's just like oh epiphania also added he could probably also just be roasting perrin because very true also because parents 20 and i think gall is nynaeve's age so 25 and he's probably just like bro but also i yield humor is a lot different because like Ayel humor is weird because they're like, ah ha ha, parent will probably step on a tack and then uh, fall down the stairs and the Ayel will piss themselves. And they're like, what? what, am, what am, okay. Um, so but that's how the chapter ends. The party is traveling into the ways and we get to chapter 19, the wave dancer. So we... This is the start of my favorite dynamic in the entire series, which is Elaine and Nynaeve. They're, they have such a fun dynamic because uh, they are taking a carriage down to the, to the docks of Tyr. And they see the Athamir ship. And the first thing, Elaine, uh, Elaine is like, thank you very much for the ride. And uh, Nynaeve is like, so you, good for you. It takes must take a lot of skills to find every pothole and every bump in the road. Great driving, dude. Thank you. And We've Elaine, got a great buddy cop. Oh my god, it is so here. good because. Oh, and I think the missing element of Egwene. Uh, I think there's something there in that dynamic that now that she's removed, I think it's gonna be really fun to see Elaine and Nynaeve's uh relationship kind of grow and change because. Elaine's like, okay, from what I read, we have to be really cool with the Athamir. Right. Maybe have some tact. I have tact. It's like, no, you don't. I have tact proceeds to do the most with no tact. Yeah, like, it's it's the, um, I am very cool. Elaine 
is very cultured and knows what she's doing and very prim proper. Meanwhile, Nynaeve will kick down the door and go, what's up, chuckle fucks? Let's Nynaeve take this shit. unapologetically herself. Oh, yeah. and 100% that, 24-7. That's what I love is it's like, it's that's why I'm like her and Matt are kind of the same person because Matt is also the same. Yeah. But yeah, no, Nynaeve is like, I'm in charge here. Do you know what you're doing? I'm in charge. Like, very much. So, uh, they get to the ship, and they meet uh, the sailmistress. I'm going to say her name is Coin. Uh, that's, what I, that's what I went with. Let's look at, because I'm on... Because it's either that or, like, that... that Coin, according to the pronunciation guide. Coin din Jubai. So, it's an interesting... We get an interesting culture. They call their ships he... Which right. Like, fun. Right. That's a that's kind of a fun flip. Uh, the weaving that they do. Yeah. That was some of the coolest bit of like, oh, all right, yeah, you can kind of employ this on the day to day. Yeah. Stuff. That's uh, chapter twenty. Oh shit! Are we? We're in chapter. So we're just now meeting them. They like, don't, oh, they don't. Do that no the next chapter. My bad. Yeah. No, well, Nynaeve, spoiler for we're we're covering chapter twenty. We're, we, right? we're fine. Yeah. We're. I'm we're jumping going. on the coolest shit about them and. Yeah. Besides that, I'm sure I'm sure we'll get more about it in the future, but was by far the coolest thing that stuck out to me. Yeah, because so they get to the ship and they negotiate their terms and we learn of the we get our third name for the ch- for Rand. We have the dragon reborn. Uh, we have he who comes with the dawn, supposedly for the Aiel and the Coromor. Right. And what's also interesting is when they're talking to the sail uh, mistress, we get a bit of their prophecy, uh, the Jendai prophecy. The white tower shall be broken by his name, and Aes Sedai shall kneel to wash his feet and dry them with their hair. They share a bit of their culture, to which Nynaeve responds, You will have to wait a lo- you will have a long wait if you expect me to wash any man's feet. It's very funny because I cause I just imagine Elaine's eye just slowly starting to twitch. <laughs> Like, that's all I want out of the show is Elaine just develops develops an eye twitch when she's around a Nynaeve. Um, so, yeah, uh, they agree to go to Tanchico, and the earthquake hits. Right. And so we get to Chapter 20, Winds Rising. And uh, so Tom and Julian are now joining the journey. Tom was recruited by Moraine. Julian... Was by land. By land, yeah. <laughs> and so they're accepted on board. And Elaine's vibing with Tom. And she just reach over, reaches over and pulls his mustache. And she's like, I'm so sorry. I have a vague memory of doing that as a child. And he's like, okay. Um, and they have this really interesting discussion. Sorry, I'm picking up my book. About the nature of stories. And the idea of... As time goes on and uh, legend fades to myth and uh, uh, and even myth is long forgotten when the age that gave a birth comes again, he talks about, you know, how long do we have until the next stage, till the fourth age, a couple years? Who knows? Like Rand might be forgotten. You might be the hero or Matt or Tom or me or Loyal. And she's like, well, I don't think about that and i think there was a oh so he they t- they're talking about these stories and tom goes i mean who knows about these other stories 
did Mosk and Merck really fight with spears of fire and were they giants? Moscow and America and the right. nuclear weapons. Uh, was Elsbeth really queen of the whole world, Queen Elizabeth? And then um, there's someone who I don't even know. Was Anla truly the wise counselor? Anne Landers, Dear Abby? I have no idea what that is. I don't know what that is. Um, so we get mention of another continent too called Shara. This mystery place where they get ivory and silk. And then Tom even goes like, do we even know what kind of animal produced ivory? And even if there were things that created silk and we're just like, oh, hey. <laughs> we do. <laughs> y- y- plot we, twist. Outside of the book, we do. Yeah. <laughs> but you're inside the book, Tom. You don't know that. You can't hear us. You can't listen to this podcast. Not yet. Maybe when we do get to this third age, ours will be the only Wheel of Time podcast that stands. Wild. Nah. <laughs> Anyhow. So, yeah. No, it is a really interesting note that the Seafolk can channel. And they discuss, like, we stay at the sea. We're born of the sea. We rarely go on land. And they said, we do not want the White Tower involved with us. And Elaine's like, got it. Respect. Yeah. She's like, all right. Cool. Um, and they talk about their encounter with the Sean Chan and Elaine's like, there was a Damani on board and they talk about how they wanted to get her. And so we find out we'll be in Tanchico in seven to 10 days. And Elaine's going to learn a little bit of channeling. Yeah. No, she gets like her own little bit of, cause I feel like the focus has been on Egwene and her dreams and kind of grown into that power. It's going to be exciting to see Elaine kind of, get her spotlight she's been getting the spotlight a little bit like Mm -hmm. because we've been going a lot into her pov which is really nice yeah i'm I'm excited to continue that a bit more i hope we get a loyal pov this book or a 9a oh that'd be great uh if i had to choose between the two loyal Uh, no you know what actually 9a okay i think her point of view i think especially just the way it could be written would be so fun and different from everyone else just angry angry (laughs) sniffing braid tugging exactly arms folded underneath the breasts men i would like loyal's pov i just feel like it'd be a lot of internal anxiety (laughs) it's just his anxious monologue (laughs) fuck 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 Poor guy. But I think this is the good place to leave it. Um, so before we end the podcast, Eric, bust out that gold star. That's right. So we got a gold star and we got a color change. All um, right. All right. So gold star is going to Tom. This Ooh. bunch of chapters. Uh, playing the gleeman, you know, raising everybody's spirits and slowly turning the tide for Rand kind of without him knowing incredible really really done well uh made me feel like i know tom in a different way more than just like a mentor and uncle you start seeing him in action more and more yeah so gold star to him now uh color change unfortunately has to go to gall yeah you see he did that jump spin kick no and it wasn't recess it was it was ssr it was it was sustained silent reading time shut up no so i'm gonna have to call his parents and just say he's a little rambunctious he's a good kid but he's a little rambunctious he's been hanging out with the horse girl too much (laughs) and he only gets the color change uh just for the bit because nobody really uh uh peeved me off too much in this set of Except for, you know what? Actually, f- 
fuck him. I'm actually going to change that and play this a little bit serious. Glad you get the color change. Okay. Quite literally joining the White Cloaks. Uh, I understand in that world there's probably some arguments of why to join them and stuff, but out here in my world, no. <laughs> no. So Glad gets the color change. Tom gets the gold star this week. So, but, uh, so let's do a card system. Mm-hmm. So we're going to go green mm-hmm. is the best. Red is worse. So we go green uh yellow, yellow orange red okay so let's do cards for everybody okay rand what color oh he's green he's he's good he's he's figuring out his destiny he's uh he's just kicking along he's he's doing great all right green card matt uh green card actually okay. he's he's starting to accept his destiny he's you know figuring out he's got to stay put into it he's, he's doing pretty good uh perrin like yellow card and it's so close to an orange like we are so close to bringing in a counselor yeah or Parent some mediation is... um you were mean to gall so i'm not even gonna bring him up gall gets a green card he, he he gets the i should give him a color change but i just can't i like him too much uh file uh green card okay. she, uh, smart smart and uh, uh pretty crafty in this one nine green card Elaine, card. green card. Eggy, green card. Uh, Lan, Lan, orange card. Oh, orange card. He's trying to break his his bonds and his oaths. You can't do that. You're a warder first, man. You're hey. a warder second. Well, maybe will this quote maybe change your mind about it? Um, he says to Nynaeve, "You have made a place in my heart where I thought there was no room for anything else." You have made flowers grow where I cultivated dust and stones. Remember this on the journey you insist on making. If I die, I will not survive you long. Does that boost him up from orange to yellow at least? All right, he can have the yellow card. He can have the yellow card because I'm a softie. But Lan, you're on thin ice, bud. Uh, Moraine? Orange card. Moraine breaking and entering and snooping? You can't do that. Oh my god. That's not allowed. (laughs) One more and you got detention. Oh my god. Um Min. Green guard. Okay. Uh Gowan. Uh green card. Yeah. For me, Gowan is green card bordering on yellow card. I, like I, I this want, isn't your lane. Want, yeah, wanna wanna snap at him a bit be like, hey, hey, idiot, play, play along. <laughs> yeah. Alright, alright. I'm curious to see how these uh cards will change. Um <laughs> Thank you all for coming out. Thank you for joining us for yet another episode of Loyal's Book Club. Uh, Eric, please, on this Good Friday, please, will you please spell it? Spell it out for us. Where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Viva Ladanes. That is V-I-V-A-L-A-D-A-I-N-S. All right. All yeah, right. baby. My Friday is saved, and you can find me on Twitter at the only gay in Z2 Rivers, or uh, you can follow our official Instagram accounts at Loyal's Book Club, Loyal underscore S, uh, and on Instagram, Loyal's Book Club. Uh, I'm being a little bit more a uh, active on there, and vote in our poll. Who do you side with more, Perrin and Fail? I vote Fail. Um, But we have a lot of fun stuff coming up, you guys. Uh, If you weren't able to join us live and you want to hear our goofs, our bits, and our jokes, uh, we have our Discord link in the bio. Just come on in. We record every Friday. Uh, And it's a lot of fun. 
Uh, you'll especially want to join us for our live Loyal Spoils, where we watch RuPaul's Drag Race. How much experience do you have with uh, Drag Race, Eric? I have never watched an episode of Drag Race in my life. I've got contextual and, you know, pop culture knowledge of it, but never, never seen one front to finish. All right. So it's going to be very fun. And once again, thank you all for coming out. We will see you all next week, and you guys have a good one. Stay smart. Stay sexy.